Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Medicine on Tap. I am Jason Kopeck, coming to you live from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company. I am joined today by a very special guest, Frank Price, co-owner and master brewer of Neck of the Woods here in Pittman, New Jersey. Frank, I'm really happy to have you on. And truthfully, it was all about just, you know, I couldn't speak to how phenomenal this place was. So, you know, we'd love for you to, you know, take an opportunity to tell us all about this place. Yeah, first off, uh, welcome to uh, our neck of the woods here. Uh, as you said, Frank Price, I'm one of the co-owners and brewer here at Neck of the Woods. And right now we're, we're doing this live from our tasting room. As you can see here in the tasting room, we have a, a, a cool mixture of uh, like old school, um, you know, wood that we had gotten from, you know, an 1800 barn. We, we have a, uh, a bar top that came from a New Jersey oak that, that fell down. Heck, we have beer flowing out of a tree. You know, we have the taps coming right out of a tree trunk, which is pretty That's cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it is awesome. When we, when we envisioned the idea of Neck of the Woods, it basically came from myself, my partner, Paul McIntyre, uh, my other partner, Dave Sertum. So myself, I'm from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. My other partner was from Boston area, and then my other partner is from, from uh, South Jersey. Yeah. So we wanted to bring a little bit of city mm-hmm. to country and kind okay. of mix the two. Yeah. Uh, if you look up here in the tasting room, we have a clock up there that has half of the clock, the Philadelphia skyscraper. The other half is a wooded theme. So... It's kind of That's cool amazing. that we're I'm looking we're, at it for the first time. It's amazing. Yeah, that we're just kind of merging, you mm-hmm. know, some some of the wooded aspects of South Jersey and the industrial part of the, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, city as well. Yeah. So I am the brewer here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, currently right now we have 14 or 15 beers on tap right now. Uh, we specialize pretty much in the, the hazy IPAs. Mm-hmm. I think you may have had one of ours called Stay in the Car, Frank. Yeah. So by far my favorite... Uh, you know, thing that I've tried here so far, you know, I've also been coming here for quite a time now. Uh, as a matter of fact, I brought my father here last fall. We watched the Eagles tie the Bengals here. Oh, there you um, go. But we both had to stay in the car, Frank. And I, I'm one of those people, right? Like I, I found something I liked that I didn't stray from it. But, you know, I, I'm not a beer connoisseur. But I can tell you right now, the Stay in the Car Frank is the best beer I've ever had in my life. Well, that's because it's named Frank. That's, that's what it, is that what it is? <laughs> and Frank, I, a, a little birdie, a little inside source told me about where that name came from. Would you mind spilling that information for us? Yeah, it's a funny story. I mean, when, when we built this place, I, I had envisioned what it would look like for two years before we even started. And one of my very good friends, uh, Pepe Dragada, he was... He was the guy behind the scenes who made all this happen. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was the guy who was the project manager, the electrician. He just made every part of my dream come to life. Pepe was my inside source for all our yes. listeners. <laughs> Pepe's a great guy. But if you know Pepe, hey, Pepe knows it all. Right. And when Frank comes to the table and Frank says, hey, I think we need this and yeah. I think we need that. Well, eventually Pepe looks at me and just says, I already thought of that. Yeah. I already thought of that. Well, it got to the point where yeah. he was just like, Stay in a car, Frank. Yeah. Stay in a car. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where the name came from. Sure. It was a funny story because I was, I actually brewed that beer, took a family vacation out to California. We were in the middle of the Yosemite National Park where I got no service whatsoever on my phone. I told my partners, hey, made a beer, give it a name. This, yeah. this is what it, you know, right. looks like, tastes like, smells like, give it a good name. 
when I get back to civilization, my phone dings and I see stay in a car, Frank. I was like, <laughs> what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> but it's kind of evolved into a, a beer that when, when people come to the neck of the woods, they read it. They like the name of it. And we think it's a pretty fantastic drinking beer. Frank, it really is. And it is one of the more popular ones here. It is. It's, it's definitely yeah. one of our top sellers. When you come to the neck of the woods, stay in a car, Frank, will always yeah. be on tap. All right. So, like I said, I've been coming here about a year for the first time, have tried a, a different beer. So I'm two sips in to our good as hells. And I'm going to tell you that I may like this more now. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah. So good as hells. That's um, just a classic hells lager. Yeah. Hells um, in, in the German language basically means bright. Okay. You know, so it's a very bright looking yeah. lager. Uh, easy drinking, has some bready, yeah. malty notes to it. Uh, very low bitterness, bright carbonation as well. Just one of those beers that you can kind of sit around and just, yeah. maybe you just got done mowing the lawn and you just right. want to sit down and have a good beer. That's exactly. your beer right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. I'm saying that. Yeah. Uh, this is fantastic too. I Tell me truthfully, am I missing out by not trying others? Yeah, so... Um, we're, we're, we're known here for our kettle sour beers. Okay. And, you know, when people see sour next to a beer, yeah. you, you might get a little turned off. Right. But really sour just kind of translates into a tart beer. Okay. Uh, so we have like five or six different kettle sour beers on tap. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the fun part about those beers is we, we just mix up all these different fruits we put it into a beer. So, I mean, some of these don't even really taste like beers, to be honest right. with you. Right. I mean, it's more like a like a fruited alcoholic yeah. drink. I'm, um, I'm seeing six on the menu. Uh, there's six. Yeah. yeah. There's mm-hmm. actually one named Fun. I mean, we, we just right. named it Fun because yeah. it's just fun to drink. Right. Frank, this was awesome, man. I'm going to tell you what. I'm, I'm going to try more. Uh, I'm going to try a little variety of things. And then how, how about we get you back on here at some point soon? Oh, that'd be great. We'd love Sounds to come good. back and, you know, talk shop, talk sports. Anything you guys want to talk about? Sounds here. great. Again, Frank Price, co-founder, brewer here. Uh, I'm Jason Kopeck, and we're going to start this episode off with Dr. Stephen Frey talking about high ankle injuries and LeBron James. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Doc, we, we spent many months of uh, going through meeting after meeting about uh, everything from getting this started, you know, uh, ordering equipment to how this would run. And I, I, I got to be honest with you, I, I completely lost sight of how much fun this would be week to week. I, I think every every evening we leave here, uh, I'm already looking forward to the next episode. I don't know if it's just the fact that we're talking about sports medicine or the fact that, uh, you know, we're coming from neck of the woods and getting to have a couple beers as we talk about this stuff. But, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited about this week to week. How about you? Easily one of the highlights of the week. Yeah. Once the show is over, I can't wait to hear the final version of it. Mm-hmm. And once we hear the final version of it, I can't wait to get back to Neck of the Woods Brewery and start the next one. It's a, it's a good time. It's good a lot of fun. Good and it's, more. you know, talking about sports, having a couple of beers. Um, yeah, just a, a great thing to do. I think we're, I think we're doing it perfectly, right? Like we're, we're recording this right in the middle of the week. Uh, it kind of breaks up the monotony of uh, the work week. And yeah. then, uh, you know, we look forward to the weekend as soon as we leave here. That's right. And, <laughs> you know, hopefully, honestly, hopefully we're, we're, we're helping some people out there. Um, you know, it'll take time. 
we're going to have the show going for a while and we'll hopefully come across some injuries or some topics that, that really hit home and, and are helpful to people. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, um, we get to have a great time while we're doing it. Yeah. So last week, you know, if you guys have uh, subscribed, we talked about Joel Embiid right in our, you know, in our neck of the woods here in the South Jersey, Philadelphia region. Uh, we were very happy to see that he returned to action last Friday night and, you know, did, did well, uh, you know, all in, in a limited basis, which I think is smart. Um, they, you know, they, they didn't play him back to back nights, which, as we all know, Joel Embiid has a history of not doing that to begin with. But uh, let's keep it here in the NBA. And, you know, no bigger superstar to talk about than LeBron James and his high ankle injuries. March 20th, uh, Doc, you've seen the injury at this point. You know, what do you think of it? Yeah, so uh, another one, a uh, little bit scary when it happens. You got LeBron rolling around on the floor, floor. You know, there's not a big crowd there at the arena, so you can you can literally hear him screaming uh, while it's going on. And this is a guy who has a history of being, uh, you know, kind of this uh, warrior, this, uh, you know, impervious to injury, plays through injuries left and right, and you see him rolling around there on the floor, and you're thinking, oh, man, this this, this got the, the potential to be bad. It's a little bit interesting, the, the, the mechanism that it goes through, uh, it's, a, it's somewhat of a, I would say, a standard mechanism for this injury. We were talking a little bit before we uh, started recording. Um, you know, typically, I, I think that when this injury happens, lots of times, it's um, more of a, what we call a dorsiflexion, so toes pointed up or ankle pointed up, kind of a position of the, of the, of the ankle. At the same time, you're getting this eversion, so so kind of the foot rolling out, so the you know ankle kind of rolling in, and a little bit of an external or and or a little bit of an external rotation injury. And I think I think you see two or three of those things happening. It seems to start out more of a plantar flexion type right. injury, whereas the ankle's pointing down, and then and then as uh, as the guy rolls up on the ankle, you see him rolling into more of that yeah. eversion external rotation and potentially into that dorsiflexion type position that we had talked about. Yeah. So, you know, Doc, we, we, we've seen the injury at this point. There could have been a lot of other things happening, right? Like we've seen the, the injury. You see this guy falling on the outside of his knee. Right. Uh, I mean, there could have just as easily been some type of knee injury to this point, right? Like MCL sprain. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about the last episode, the beauty of pro sports. We had the MRI fairly quickly, probably overnight, especially in LeBron's case. Yeah. I don't want to say he got off easy, but there could have been substantial other things going on, right? Would you agree? Without question. It could have, could have gone right up. It could have been more of a knee injury. Yeah. Um, could have been, in, you know, typically that particular mechanism. If it, if it is a knee injury, you're looking probably at an MCL. Yeah. And then if it becomes more severe, potentially involving uh, ACL or multi-ligament. But, but fortunately, that wasn't the case. In this scenario, you know, the fact that it's his ankle, I think you start thinking broken ankle. Mm-hmm. You start thinking potentially medial right. ankle sprain, which is a little bit different than high ankle sprain. Sure. Or you start thinking high ankle sprain based on based on the mechanism. Yeah. So you know, as a doc, you're at your your workstation there in, in your pod, mm-hmm. and you're looking at the X-rays. We all know now that he was diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. Yeah. What What are you looking for? You know, imaging wise to right. diagnose that. I feel as though they've been a little more tight lipped about this particular injury. We just have a little bit less information. Yeah. Again. 
uh, and I've stated it before, and you know, I don't know if we need to state it every single show, but we don't have access mm-hmm. to the actual medical files. We're not actually talking about LeBron James, yeah. uh, James' uh, specific injury. We just see what happens there, and we're we're making speculations, um, just like any any other average fan would make speculations. We just have a little more knowledge about the, the these types of injuries. In last week's show, we talked a little bit more about uh, about Joel Embiid's injury, and and you know I think we kind of hit the nail on the head on some of those speculations based on the information that they had released to us. It seems like they were pretty genuine about the information that was released, and he's kind of followed suit protocol the way you would expect it on this one i feel like we're speculating a little more mm-hmm. now now that said all right guy has this type of injury someone walks in you're, you're concerned about a possible high ankle sprain first thing you're going to do is an, is an exam and, and this is going to be a little bit of the tedious part of it and i'm going to try to keep it short but i think it's a little bit important to establish some of the basic anatomy here so the rest of the show makes sense to the listener and so essentially you have two bones that are in your in your lower leg your tibia and your fibula and they're held together by a bunch of very strong ligaments right there at the bottom of the leg right above your ankle and uh, what sits right underneath the bottom of your shin bone is a bone called your talus it's almost like a fist it's like a fist-sized bone the little bone that kind of sticks out that little bump on the inside or medial side of your ankle called your medial malleolus is the very very distal or the very end of your shin bone and the one that's on the outside or the lateral side of your ankle is the uh is the lateral malleolus is the very end of your fibula the smaller bone in your leg and the talus sits in between those two and something that's called a mortise which is i'm pretty sure means um house in greek which is, and basically they sit like a little house right over the top of the talus. And they're held together by these strong ligaments. At the very bottom, where the tibia and the fibula come together, there are four main ligaments, uh, AITFL, anterior inferior talofibular ligament, PITFL, uh, your interosseous ligament, and then a, a transverse ligament, and then also something called your interosseous membrane. You don't need to know all of those, just know that there are four main ligaments in a membrane that are there. Those things act like a shock absorber. You come down with weight, the talus is sort of acting like a wedge to drive between the bottom of the shin bone, the tibia, and the fibula. And what prevents those two bones from spreading apart are those four strong ligaments, right? If someone has something more of your standard ankle sprain, a lateral ankle sprain, they're going to injure the ligaments that go around the, typically around the outside of the ankle first. Uh, your your anterior talofibular ligament, different than your AITFL, your calcaneofibular ligament, your posterior talofibular ligament, and then on the on the on the inside, the medial portion, the deltoid ligament. If you have a high ankle sprain, this injury happens not where the ankle um, or the fibula connects to the foot per se, which is more of your lateral ankle sprain, but it happens where the two bones in the lower leg the tibia and the fibula connect together. What you really got to do is, uh, in that exam, is you got to test those particular ligaments. And there's a few ways we go about doing that. First, you want to do your exam. Um, your exam is going to consist of pushing on the front of the ankle right over those ligaments. And if that, that elicits pain, you know you may have a problem here. And you kind of push your way up uh, what's called the interos- interosseous membrane. 
between those two bones. And you see how far up that tenderness goes. And there's there's been some studies to kind of show that the length of time that that individual is going to be out correlates with how high up they have tenderness in their ankle. So that, that helps dictate to an extent the severity of the injury. Um, and then you're going to do x-rays, all right? All right, before we get there, there's also a couple other tests where we externally rotate the ankle to really stress the ankle. And there's something called a squeeze test where you squeeze the shin bone, the tibia, and the fibula together. Typically do it a little higher up in the, in the leg and you see if that elicits pain lower down by the ankle. These are all indications that there's been a high ankle sprain injury. Then you're going to get x-rays. Initially, those x-rays are standard regular x-rays. And you're looking for widening of the shin bone relative to the fibula, the tibia to the fibula. Because if there's widening, now you got an unstable injury and that changes the whole treatment course. If there is no widening, then you may have an injury, but it's probably a lower grade injury. And um, that's gonna give you uh, probably a quicker return. And then sometimes there are some things we can call stress x-rays where we actually put some stress across those ligaments and see if the positioning of those two bones relative to each other or the talus, that little fist-sized bone that's underneath the shin bone, moves over to the side. And if it does, again, more of an unstable injury, probably headed down a surgical road. And if it doesn't move and if it's okay, more of a stable injury and gonna hopefully be able to treat this non-surgically. And then there's an MRI and that's another good way to look at the ligaments. You know, Doc, one of the, uh, the downfalls I feel like from the athletic training standpoint, I, I don't feel like I had a great education on the, the, radi the uh, radiology side of things. Right. So when you talk about these x-rays yeah. and widening of the tibia and the fibula, right. is, there a, uh, is this a subjective thing or is there uh, an objective measurement of well it looks like it's wide in two uh two millimeters two three millimeters right. or is is your interpretation of widening different than uh, another physician so no there 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 are uh, established norms of what's okay. acceptable in terms yeah. of the widening mm -hmm. um it's a little bit tricky the tail is that the kind of fist size bone i was talking about mm -hmm. is a little wider in the front than it is in the back so as someone raises their ankle up into more of a dorsiflexion position, so toes pointed up, um, the, the, it tends to fill up the mortise a little more. And if they point their ankle down, it tends to leave a little extra space. So, so the x-rays theoretically should be taken the same way every time to account for that. But there are different things that we look for. Something called medial clear space widening, where if the talus is shifted more than two millimeters, that, could, that pretends a problem. There are also something called, we call it the mortise, where, where the, there are different kinds of x-rays, one that's taken directly from the front, one that's taken with a little bit of an angle to really, really see the overlap of the shin bone, the tibia, and the little bone in the leg, the fibula. And you want to match, you want to, there are measurements that you take to make sure that there's appropriate overlap. And if there isn't, then that's a sign. That's a clear-cut indication there's a problem. And yep. sometimes it's tricky, man, because sometimes it's dynamic instability. Yep. You do an x-ray and it looks okay. But then if you do a weight-bearing x-ray right. or a stress totally, x-ray, totally all of a sudden yep. it opens up. And yep. then that, that reveals sure. dynamic instability and that changes your game plan. So where does he go from here? So... He had the he had the X-rays. Uh, none of us know. I, I don't even think there's anything out there in the media in terms of what level of severity. 
Right. My understanding there's a, a grade one through grade three. Right. Grade three, almost a clear cut indication that surgery is required. Right. We don't think he's there, right? So there's like grade one, there's grade two, there's grade three, and then there's grade, I, LeBron James is hurt actually. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the highest grade. No, no, right. no. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty fair to say, uh, and, you know, truth be known, we don't know if he had surgery, maybe he had surgery. Right. As far as we know, he didn't have surgery, sure. right? So, so grade three out the window, it's not grade three. Grade three is when those bones spread apart and you're heading down the road to surgery. Grade one typically does not need surgery. You've injured those ligaments, you maybe even have stretched them a little bit, yeah. but they're still intact and this is stable and it just needs time to heal. And then grade two is a little bit of that, that gray area, to be honest with you. There are stable grade two injuries that don't need surgery. And then there are unstable grade two injuries where it may, they may look stable, but then you stress them and it turns out they open out and there's a little bit of uh, dynamic instability. Or, or even sometimes what winds up happening is you start going down this road of, non-operative management and guess what they don't get better they don't yeah. heal you're not able to resume your previous activities then it then then you wind up converting to a surgical a surgical plan down the road so they gave him a timeline of four to six weeks uh that was around march 25th about five days after the injury what needs to happen in between that when can you know the, the general public start working on rehab right, right. We, we know that they place them in a boot and we're going to touch on that in a bit here, but they, they place them in a boot. And, and that's that's essentially because of why, right? Every step you take as a human, right, we're dorsiflexing and plantar flexing, and that's spreading that uh, syndesmotic membrane. Right. Delaying the healing phase, right? Yeah. When can we start other things? Does that take a another visit to the physician? Yeah, yeah. Another x-ray? So um, a lot of that is based on uh, symptoms, mm -hmm. right? You know, and it's a little bit interesting like, that the, the way this played out it was it wasn't quite the way that, you know, I would know. I, I, I've seen it play out sometimes, yeah. you know, lots of times guy has this injury and we were talking a little bit before we started recording yeah. and you actually brought this up. Um, you see that guy go home and start kind of that intensive treatment, but that wasn't the case with LeBron, right? right? What exactly did they do with LeBron? <laughs> yeah. I noticed five key points from an athletic training standpoint. Non-physician, I have no access to uh, imaging, you know. One of the things I noticed right away uh, it, it, in all my times of pro sports, uh, they brought him to Phoenix two days later. Uh, in, in all my experience, you don't have access to the same type of resources that you do on the road. So why bring him to Phoenix unless you feel like you're still giving him quality care? Uh, but they did. And we saw him on the court, uh, I believe it was two days later, and he was in a, in a boot, no crutches, which I think is a good sign. Right. Um, but he was walking in a boot, which is exactly what I would do. Absolutely in a boot, preventing that dorsiflexion and plantar flexion with every step you take. I, I to gotta me, say, I, yeah. I think I would have been on, would have put him on crutches. Now, I don't know if it's yeah. LeBron being a tough guy and yeah. no one's going to tell LeBron what to do, but True. typically, you know, you know what we can't also, help it. What we what we don't know is was he on the court with just the boot, but in the in the tunnel in the locker rooms right. on crutches, and we'll never know that. Of course, um, you know what I do know is from a report I read, and they, you know take this with a grain of salt. I don't know how truthful it is. In his career, just in the NBA, it was shown that LeBron James has sustained twenty five or more ankle sprains, yeah, and has never or in most cases, never missed a game. Beast. 
right? Right. I think that's a test to how much of a freak of nature he is. Right. But this is now requiring substantial time off. And I think it's just, I, I think that it's a testament to how much more significant a high ankle sprain is than a lateral ankle sprain right. in, in that nature. Yeah. No, no, for sure. And it, this, this, this injury is a totally different beast than your standard lateral ankle sprain. You know, expectations to recurrent, return, and we'll, we'll get that to, to that a little bit, but typically the, the standard is two to three times longer than it would have taken if it was your standard lateral ankle sprain. And implications in terms of impact in, uh, in, in career is it's a little more significant, you know, like this could be a longer standing problem. If, if, if it is one of those unstable injuries, right, it's almost treated like a fracture. There are versions of this that are fractures. There are versions of this where that, that energy goes right up the leg, right? Those ligaments that I described earlier are torn. The energy goes right up the leg and then comes out the fibula somewhere close to the knee. And you have a fracture of the fibula up near the knee, even though it was an ankle injury. And we call that a Masonube fracture. And, you know, so, so when this is an unstable injury, we're doing a surgery. We're putting a, sometimes a plate and screws on the side. We're putting screws from shin bone or from fibula small bone in the leg to shin bone syndesmotic screws or or um these very very strong constructs little button constructs called tight ropes and a big guy like that typically you're going to want something stronger than just a tight rope but nonetheless would uh, you think that uh the chances of that being an unstable injury given the fact that he went down on defense I truthfully don't know what happened from there, whether he guarded somebody up or, you know, whether he was just down there to be down there. Right. He also came down and shot a three-pointer. I know. Made it from the corner. Not the easiest shot. Made it. He but, he ended up subbing himself out. He, he, he uh, you know, motioned over to the bench uh, for a replacement. He walked right off the court, went right to the locker room. But he... He he bared weight on that, and right. he played a little bit, right? A, a perfect, you know, in an NBA game, he held his own. For the love it, of God, is that more of a testament to who he is, or can we make a statement on it's likely not grade two, grade three? You tell me, Doc. I, I think pretty clearly it's not grade three. Yeah, right. right. I, I, one, I, I, I just I'd be I'd have a hard time seeing him doing what he did, staying yep. in the game for another sure. you know, minute or so, you know, nailing the three uh, on, on the grade three injury. You know, is this grade two? I think there is a chance this is a grade two. I think in, in the grade two variety, it's a, the, the, the lower side of that grade two variety, uh, more of a stable grade two than an unstable grade two. Is it possible this is an unstable grade two? Yeah, I guess it's possible. Yeah. I, I, w I would argue a little less likely, though. Um, you tell me. So we, we talked a little bit off air as we sat down and, you know, we, we started tasting our delicious beers here from Neck of the Woods. But typical timeline, anybody can Google it. They usually say four to six weeks. That's what is being reported for LeBron James. We don't know the severity. Yeah. They said for him four to six weeks. In, in my what do you mind, think? So and, and you and I differ on this a little bit, right? We do, like, right. In, in, in that's, my, why, that's why I brought it up, right? We talked yeah. off air. Let's <laughs> let's get it out there. Let's hash it out. All right. So in my mind, in my mind, I hear four to six weeks on uh, that pretends more of a stable grade two type injury, okay. and we'll see where this goes. You know, sometimes you make that prediction, and it turns out, you know, what is a little worse than that. Sure. Um, but but in my mind, that pretends stable grade two. You know, I think in that that grade one type injury, I think you're looking more. Three to four weeks. Okay. You know, could it go into yeah. uh, four to six weeks? Yeah, it could be. But, wow. you know, I think you're sort of splitting hairs there. Is it is yeah. a grade one, grade two mm -hmm. sort of borderline thing? What, what What's your take on this? 
you know, I'm typically, I, I love, I, I'm going to put them in the boot right away and for sure. I, I'm going to do that two to four weeks. And then I know that there's going to be some issues after that, right? Like I, I need to, there's going to be some atrophy involved, some right. decreased range of motion. So I, I need to rebuild strength. I right. need to get, you know, full range of motion back. And that could take an additional two weeks. Yeah. Uh, perhaps I'm on the bit of a conservative side. But yeah, I'm thinking more six to eight weeks. And the tough thing when it comes to LeBron and when it comes to professional sports, which we don't know right now, is are they just taking it slow because they know they're a playoff team? Yeah. They know they're a, a, not only a playoff team, but also a NBA can title with LeBron in the lineup. Right. They just recently got Anthony Davis back. So does taking it slow with him, you know, does it affect – Maybe the Lakers are the four seed, five seed, six seed versus anything higher. But just having him in the lineup at full strength delay their process. And my guess is yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to let you know a little secret. LeBron James is 67 years old. I don't know if you realize <laughs> that, but but it's going to. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so this isn't the high school athlete. He's yeah. a beast, but it isn't the high school athlete that has this injury. Um, 25 ankle sprains. Possibly more is what's reported. You know, and, and I got to tell you. And, and it's likely not missed a game. I mean, that's impressive. It's, it's extraordinary. And and it also brings up the question, this guy has had 25 ankle sprains. Why I'm has he it. had I'm 25 yep. ankle sprains? Sure. Right? Shouldn't he be doing PT? Shouldn't he be taking a little bit of time? Right. Shouldn't he be strengthening that ankle? Shouldn't yeah. he be working on his proprioception? Different things that you can do to try to yeah. prevent the next one. Um, rather than just being the warrior and getting back out there. And, you know, and who knows, maybe maybe that was what triggered that, this. Like, hey, this is a more serious yeah. injury than your standard lateral ankle sprain. Take the time, get better. Otherwise, it could spell the end. Right. And let's talk about, right, like non-LeBron related, but that's everything that, you know, reconstructive orthopedics and Dr. You know, Bernardini had in mind when they created the Energy Lab, right? Like this injury prevention you know, let, let's strengthen everything and let, let's do our best to prevent these types of injuries moving forward to, to keep you at top level in your sport. Yeah. And there, there are a few injuries and where this stuff is well documented. Right. Right. Like there, there are injuries like ACL tears where, where you can do jump programs and jump training. And there are injuries like lateral ankle sprains and to a lesser extent, high ankle sprains where you can do um, all the training and all the physical, all the, the strengthening, the neuromuscular control and the, the proprioception exercises to and the, the correction time type exercises where you can try to prevent the injury, the second injury from happening before it happens. You're 25 lateral ankle sprains. He, de he deserves an award for being so darn tough yeah. playing through it. But at the same time, it also, you know, opens up the question, why? How, 25 right. ankle sprains? That's a right. lot. There's got to be a way to prevent this moving forward. Dr. Frey, LeBron James. Yeah. Greatest player of all time. Is he the greatest player of all time? In your opinion. You know, I grew up watching Jordan and, you know, he was just, just, you know, fluid and flawless. Mm -hmm. I grew up a Knicks fan. I grew up in New York and I watched Jordan just bury us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I got to tell you, man, it's tough to argue against LeBron. Like yeah. he is amazing and has been amazing. Yeah. And I think you could have made the argument maybe, you know, five or six years ago before, you know, he wins all these titles with Miami and then he comes to LA and he goes to Cleveland, wins the title with Cleveland and comes to LA. But like, you know, 
next level player. Uh, you know, you, you talk about generational players. This guy is more than that. Yeah, he's in that rarefied air, greatest of all time, and in uh, conversation for sure. You know, other guys, you know, Jordan, uh, Kobe, a few guys probably a little bit before my yeah. time that I, I really, it's not sure. fair for me to talk about. Sure. But of the guys that I know that are spectacular, it's got to be LeBron. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, LeBron, in my opinion, on record here, I'm stating LeBron James, greatest of all time. So, all right. So, so what do we think? Do we think he's getting this guy's getting back in the next few weeks here? Are we looking at, you know, another two to three weeks and he's back? I love the pauses you know, from what I saw. Again, strictly from an athletic trainer standpoint, uh, I love the fact that the foot wasn't, you know, completely plantar flex when it happened. The right. force came into the knee. He was really more on his big toe when it happened. The inside of that knee, uh, ankle went forward. Right. Uh, there wasn't an excessive amount of external rotation. Mm -hmm. At any point here, Doc, stop me if I'm wrong. I love the fact that he continued playing. Yeah. Right? He went up and down the court. He played both defense and offense. Good sign. And not to mention, he made a three-pointer from the corner, one of the most difficult shots in basketball. Uh, he traveled with the team. Uh, we saw him in the boot, no crutches. I'm, li I'm liking the fact that he's going to return soon. I think he's going to – I think he's going to – push LA and he's going to have them make intention for another finals appearance. And if not, I love the fact that he's going to have them in contention for a championship. And let's be honest, like the more titles he wins, I just keep waiting for the, for the argument that he's not the greatest. Cause I believe he is. He's solidifying his, his yeah. position as, as, as the yeah. guy with each championship he adds, it's getting harder and harder to disagree. And, th and this is not a Liz Frank injury. I think Liz Frank, right. and I think that's, you know, more likely your career render. Yeah. This is a bad injury. Yeah. But, it, so but it's than, not that more so than a medial ankle sprain even, right? More so than a medial ankle yeah. sprain. Although I have to say, I think there's a little bit of overlap between those sure. two. Sure. You know, that's especially, that, especially uh, we're looking at it right now as we speak, right? With that right. E version, that exactly. could have easily been an, an, uh, a medial ankle sprain. Right, right, right. Just as easily. There's probably a little bit of a continuum there, yeah. right? Where the deltoid ligament, that the ligament that's on the if, inside. If, or if LeBron side. told me right now he was having some medial knee pain, yeah. I wouldn't disagree. Absolutely right? not. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, this is one that you come back from. Yeah. And, and especially when you're not undergoing surgery. So, so yeah. you know, I think the expectation here is that, that LeBron will come back Hopefully this year, um, and I would anticipate this year, but I guess it remains to be seen. But I don't think this is uh, this is the end of the line. Right. I agree. All right, Dr. Frey, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this evening. We're going to go ahead and close our tab out. We'll continue to monitor the situation on LeBron James, look for updates and how he's progressing in his injury. In the meantime, we just want to thank our sponsors, Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, for having us each and every week. Reconstructive Orthopedics. Our good friends at Timber Real Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, Kyle Miller, our editor, the Energy Lab and Total Turf Experience. Do us a favor and find us wherever you get your podcasts from, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. Let us know how we're doing. For any questions, we can be reached at sportsmedontap at gmail.com. We would love to hear your feedback, topics, other guest speakers. Again, that's sportsmedontap at gmail.com. Until then, see you next week.